Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Let me encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We are going to be looking at this story of Jesus' birth and the gospel of Matthew this morning. Pastor Todd last week shared with you about the promises and the prophecies fulfilled and talked a lot uh, about various scriptures uh, in the Old Testament as, as well as in the New being fulfilled of Christmas past, of of God uh, fulfilling his promises. And today we're going to jump forward into the New Testament and see many of those uh, promises and prophecies being fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ. And so today the title of the message is God and Sinners Reconciled. And uh, you might recognize that phrase from the song Joy to the World that we sing, that God and sinners are reconciled. And we're really focusing in today on this theme of the purpose of Jesus' coming. And we're told in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 1 that we are going to read and study that Jesus would come to save his people from their sins. And so the purpose and the plan, if you trace all throughout the Old Testament on into Jesus' life and ministry in the Gospels, as well as uh, later on in the New Testament, we see that God has a purpose and a plan. And the word reconcile basically means to renew in right relationship. And we're going to be looking at this problem of sin that has broken that relationship between God and humanity, but then Jesus coming in order to restore and reconcile. God and sinners reconcile. And the point that we want to remember today is that Jesus is born in these scriptures, King of the Jews, but also Savior of the world. And this story is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, in various other scriptures as well, we're going to be looking at Joseph's perspective of the birth of Jesus. But the very simple outline for us, um, just four key points that we want to focus in on today, is that Jesus has the pedigree, or as we look at the genealogy of Jesus, to be the Messiah who was promised in the Old Testament. Secondly, we're going to see that Jesus is the person to bring salvation Thirdly, we're going to see Jesus is the promise of these historical prophecies in the Old Testament. And then lastly, we're going to see this beautiful uh, promise of uh, the physical presence of God with us through Jesus. And what I find interesting is you jump into, you know, Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 is that there's a break between, if you're not familiar, the Old Testament, which are the first books of the Bible, and the New Testament, and the Bible being broken up in those two main sections. And in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we have anywhere from about 400 years of silence between God. So there's about 400 years of, of God being silent on matters and prophecy and speaking. And so um, it just uh, is encouraging as we are reflecting on the prophecies of the Old Testament as well as the fulfillment now. The first words that, that, that are going to be recorded for us in the New Testament is God begins to speak. 
is that there is a, a man who is to be born, his name is Jesus, and he's fulfilling the, the covenantal promises, the royal promises, the biological promises even of the Messiah. And it just reminds me, even though God may be silent, he's never absent in our lives. Even though there could be silence in your life, God is always working behind the scenes. And we know that because from generation to generation, God was weaving throughout human history the birth of the Messiah through the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to read about these uh, individuals and this genealogy beginning in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. You can look with me there. In, uh, in the first verse, we, we read the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Everyone say David. David. And now say Abraham. Now, these individuals are, are very important not only to the Old Testament, but also to understanding how Jesus does fulfill these prophecies uh, and promises of God. And so uh, in verse 2, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. So he drove a Dodge, obviously. So that's very clear for us. No, uh, everyone say Tamar. So this is the first woman that's uh, indicated in the genealogy of Jesus. I think that's important and significant because in a patriarchal society, uh, that is very uncommon. And we actually see four women, uh, ex- excluding Mary, so five total, with Mary in the genealogy of Jesus, um, which is pretty remarkable. And as well as when you look at the history of these women and their stories, you find out that every single person in the Bible is just a regular person like you and I. And I love that because you can go back and look at David, who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, and yet he committed adultery and murder. And you look at Moses, who was the most humble man on the face of the planet, that God spoke to him face to face, and yet out of anger he struck a rock and he wasn't able to go uh, into the promised land. You look at Peter, who was this great pillar of faith, And yet he denied Jesus three times. All the people in the Bible are just ordinary people like you and I. They're messed up. They're broken and they're damaged and they fail. And yet God faithfully uses them and works through them. And so we see this story unfolding naturally through the genealogy of Jesus and as well as with these women. And so uh, in verse 4, Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. So he was a great fisherman. He loved the Pacific Northwest. So uh, we're just uh, keeping it nice and light here. Normally you don't read, well, I mean you would read, but uh, when you read these genealogies and these names, you probably skip over them quite a bit. Uh, But I think it's important to understand the history and the promises here that uh, are for us. Salmon begot Boaz and Uh, by Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. Everyone say Rahab. Rahab. Now say Ruth. Ruth. And, uh, and, And so these are additional women mentioned in the genealogy. And Jesse begot David the king. And David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Now if you don't know the story, her name is Bathsheba. And uh, Bathsheba uh, committed adultery as well with King David. And so here's this woman Bathsheba. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot 
Abijah, and Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah. How am I doing on the names, guys? You guys want to try it out? No, read nice and loud? Well, I've had a couple of years of practice on this, and uh, it uh, is helpful. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Amon, and Amon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel. Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel begot Abiud. Abiud begot Eliakim. And Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok. Zadok begot Achim. And Achim begot Eliud. Eliud begot Eleazar. And Eleazar begot Mathan. And Mathan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. The word Christ uh, literally means Messiah or anointed one. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. So we'll just pause there and opening up the New Testament and this period of silence between God and man and the Old Testament prophecies, and now we're seeing the genealogy of Jesus, the tracing of Jesus' lineage and pedigree and heritage. And as I mentioned up front, there are key individuals identified in this genealogy, and I would just like to focus on three of them. One is David, the other is Abraham, and then just the natural progression of birth through women. And so uh, what we see here is that Jesus has the pedigree of Israel's literal Messiah. What do we mean by that? That uh, if Jesus is the son of David, we're told in the Old Testament that uh, David was given a promise by God that upon his throne would come the Messiah. And so we are told in the opening verses here that Jesus is the son of David. So what we see is that Jesus has a royal right through the lineage of David to be the kingly Messiah who is promised through the line of David. The royal right is important to establish up front as the Gospel of Matthew and the following uh, books of the New Testament begin to unfold the identity of Jesus. He has the royal right as the son of David. But we're also told that Jesus is the son of Abraham. And in the Old Testament, we're told that God established a covenant with Abraham because Abraham believed God, and it was a credit to him as righteousness. And through that covenant, God said that through your seed would come the Messiah and the Christ, and that all nations would be blessed. And so, not only does Jesus, through the pedigree and the lineage here, have the royal right of the Messiah, but he also has the covenantal right, being the son of of Abraham, that Jesus is the promised seed of Abraham who would fulfill the covenantal blessings made between God and man. And then lastly, as I mentioned earlier, there is a biological right for Jesus to come, as the book of Philippians chapter 2 tells us, being clothed in humanity. He's putting on human flesh in order to identify with our weaknesses, in order to walk in our shoes, that Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the Redeemer, as the Rescuer, would have to put on 
our identity as the Bible teaches that, God, that, that Jesus is fully God as well as fully human. He laid aside the privileges and rights of divinity in order to clothe himself with humanity. And being found in the likeness and appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death. So, if Jesus has the biological right because he's come through the seed of the woman as well, we're told in the book of, Gen- in the book of Genesis, when there was the curse because sin was introduced as Adam and Eve disobeyed and rejected God and were tempted by Satan and the serpent in the Garden of Eden, the curse upon the serpent was that Through the woman's seed, the woman's seed would crush the serpent's head. And many scholars believe, and the Bible teaches, that that was the first declaration of the gospel. All the way back in the book of Genesis, in the beginning part of the story of God redeeming and reconciling God and sinners. That the seed of the woman, which is Mary, would come, as we talked about in Isaiah chapter 6, excuse me, chapter 9, verse 6, that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This son, through the seed of the woman, but also through the promise of the royal right, the covenantal right, the biological right, tells us that Jesus represents and redeems damaged and broken humanity and we don't have to look any further than the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 to see that because we have a record of Tamar being in Jesus's genealogy and Tamar was a disgraced daughter we also have Rahab in the genealogy Rahab was a damaged prostitute we have Ruth in the genealogy Ruth was a defiled outsider who was brought in to the people of Israel We also have Bathsheba, who was a deceptive adulteress. Now, if we see these individuals included in the genealogy of Jesus representing all of humanity, we recognize that the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And We were praying earlier, and someone was mentioning as a team as we were praying, that it just blows her mind from year to year, thinking about how the King of kings and the Lord of lords came in vulnerability in the Christmas cradle. And here he is coming to identify and to walk in our brokenness. Every single one of us have this unfortunate and tragic disease of sin. And that sin has affected all of our life and it's separated us from God. We have been disgraced and disgraced God and dishonored God and rebelled against God. We've, we have been damaged and broken because of the things that we have pursued in life and the sin that, as the Apostle Paul says, has affected all of us. He says, I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do. And there is this struggle between the flesh and the spirit and this sin also has defiled us. We're, 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 no, we're, we're no longer insiders, we're outsiders. In fact, after the curse and the sin in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. And there was separation. The Bible says that, that because of our sin, we've been separated from God. And so, even with Bathsheba, deceptive and lying. Just the, the, the stories go on and on in identifying and recognizing the sin nature of humanity, but also the purpose of Jesus' coming. And that ties perfectly into the uh, promises that Gabriel declares when he talks to Joseph about the coming of Jesus 
and the birth of Jesus. And so the story continues on as the genealogy lays the groundwork for understanding the fulfillments of the Old Testament in this package of Jesus in the Christmas cradle. But now the birth story in verse 18. And now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's just pause there and make mention of this important point found here in the story of Jesus' birth. What one is, is that Jesus is the person to offer eternal salvation. Notice what is told about Jesus and his identity and his purpose for coming, that he will save his people from their sins. And that's fascinating because the Jewish people were looking for a savior to deliver them from their oppressors, to deliver them from the Romans, to deliver them from uh, the conquerors. And that's what, we're, we're not told that Jesus has come to do that. We're told that Jesus has come to deliver and save people from their sins. As the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so this name, Jesus, is actually a very common name at the time. And uh, the literal meaning and translation of the name Jesus is Jehovah, God is salvation. Now the word salvation means to rescue, to deliver, and to persevere a person from destruction or danger. So we're told up front, before Jesus is ever even born, what he has come to do. Describes his purpose for his coming as a savior, as a redeemer, as a deliverer. And that's important because it highlights the significance of the problem of sin. That Jesus will come to save people from their sins. And that sin is what separates us from God. There needs to be a reconciler. There needs to be a sacrifice. There needs to be a purchasing. And we see that fulfilled through Jesus' life in the Gospels. But we're told something very important about sin. One is, is that there is a presence of sin. In this declaration, that Jesus will save his people from their sins, it tells us that there is a real reality of the presence of sin that has affected all of humanity. Through one man's disobedience, that is Adam in the Garden of Eden, sin has entered the heart and the soul and the mind of all people. So there is a problem of the presence of sin. But there's also a problem of the power of sin in our lives. And that's unfortunate because it is constantly waging war in our lives for us to do those things. There's a natural gravitation uh, towards uh, disobedience and towards sin. The power of sin is over us and upon us. But lastly, and I think this is most tragically, is that there is a penalty of sin. The Bible says the wages or the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus has come, notice, if we follow through, 
in the genealogy and in the declaration of Jesus coming to save his people from their sins. Jesus has come to rescue, to redeem, to deliver you and I from the presence of sin, the power of sin, and the penalty of sin. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that God loves us so much. His love is everlasting. His mercy is for us. And as we continue on through this chapter, we see that not only is there this theology of, of Christmas fulfilled in the coming of Jesus' birth, but there's also a relational aspect that comes with Jesus drawing near in the Christmas cradle. So if we're looking at salvation in the purpose of Jesus' coming, it tells us a couple of things. It tells us, one, that the point or the purpose of the Christmas cradle is the cross of Calvary. That from the beginning, there was the cross intended for this innocent baby Jesus. And uh, this was the ultimate plot line of the Bible. That salvation was woven throughout, as I mentioned earlier, in the book of Genesis, but also, also through uh, the giving of the law and the sacrificial system and the sacrifices of animals and, and, and in order to uh, forgive sin. There's also the, the woven thread of salvation through the prophets and the judges and the deliverers. None of this was... Uh, final fulfillment, but they were foreshadowing what Jesus has it's ultimately come to do. And so the point of the Christmas cradle is the cross of Calvary, as well as salvation being what God has always intended for humanity in reconciling God and sinners. And we see that actually in uh, verse 22. Look with me there. So all this was done. There's a lot that goes into the phrase, all this was done. The Gospel of Matthew doesn't include all of the prophecies fulfilled. In fact, if you were to categorize them throughout the scriptures, there are over 300 specific prophecies concerning the Messiah and Jesus fulfilling all of them. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Everyone say Emmanuel. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife Mary. And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So this is Joseph's perspective on the birth of Jesus. The Gospel of Luke shows us Mary's perspective, and we'll look at those verses in the, com in the, in the coming, uh, coming day and coming week. But uh, just wanted to make mention of these closing points here of the promise. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled. Jesus is the promise of historical prophecy that every single event, recorded in the Gospels, in Jesus' life and ministry, was orchestrated to fulfill the plan of God. As I mentioned, 300 prophecies specifically. In order to fulfill the salvation, the redeeming, the reconciling work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so this promise is fulfilled, but also the presence of Jesus. is so very important, I, especially when I think about this time of year. And we talk a lot about being busy during Christmas time, and just it's natural to 
have a lot going on and the calendar fills up and we got to put up the decorations and we got to get the tree and we got to clean the house and we got to send out the cards and before we send out the cards we have to go have that nice picture taken and if you have kids then and young kids then those pictures never come out because they're always running around and you get that one hopefully you get that one that uh, your children actually look like just angels sweet little angels and you hold on to that because uh, when you get back home, they, they might not be angels all the way through Christmas. But uh, there's just a lot going on. Christmas gifts and it is a busyness to Christmas. And what I love about reading these scriptures and what I love about coming together as a church body in singing these carols about Jesus in the manger, the shepherds watching over their flocks, the angels declaring the birth, Mary and Joseph, and all of these wonderful tradition stories that are recorded for us, it reminds us to slow down. It reminds us that in the busyness and in the fear, the other gospels tell us that during this time of Jesus being born in the manger because there was no room for him in the end, during this time, the world was pretty crazy. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of worry. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of upheaval. And for God to come near and to be given the name God with us, Emmanuel, it tells us a couple of things. One is that there is no distance too far that God will not travel to come near to you. There's no distance and there's nothing he will not do in order to come near to to you and I. And Christmas is a wonderful reminder of the closeness, of the relationship, of the intimacy, of the presence of God drawing near in the person of Jesus Christ. No matter how far you walk away from him or even run away from him, no matter how deep of a pit you run your life into, Jesus is there. And he loves you. And he will come right into the midst of our brokenness as we saw in the genealogy of all the messiness, of all the chaos. But it also tells us that we live in similar times where there is great fear, uncertainty, and anxiety. Where there is division and challenges and heartaches and struggles. But Christmas with Jesus coming near as Emmanuel, God with us, reminds us that in our greatest moment of fear... God, through the person of Jesus Christ, gently drew near. He drew near to us. And let me encourage you as our worship team comes up and we close our service this morning and just reflect on these stories of what Jesus has come to do, that uh, it is, we are encouraged. We are encouraged through these scriptures to have the presence of Jesus in our Christmas celebrations. We're encouraged to draw, as Jesus has drawn near to us during Christmas, we can draw near to him and let him be a part of every celebration, of every meeting, of of every gathering to recognize the love of Jesus Christ. Now, this also tells us a couple things. One is, is if Jesus has come to save his people from their sins, There needs to be a response from us. And maybe many of you in this room have already acknowledged, one, the sinfulness of your own human heart, as well as the need for a Savior in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to presume 
that you have made that decision, as well as for those who are joining us online. But Christmas time and this story is a great opportunity to get right with God, to have God and you, God and sinners, be reconciled, redeemed, and restored. And that is by acknowledging our sin, as well as our need for a Savior. The Bible says if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away and all things become new. Do you realize that the identities that we read in the genealogy of Jesus with all of that history of just baggage and brokenness that God turned it around into beautiful, just beautiful work of God in their lives. And he can do the same for you. He can take the brokenness and the baggage through the presence, through unwrapping the present of Jesus Christ in your life, receiving by grace through faith. He can take all of that and redeem it and make it beautiful and restore it and use it for his purpose and for his plan. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time in your word this morning the opportunity to sing these songs that are preparing our hearts during the Christmas season to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. We also sing that song, I'm just reminded of the phrase that talks about how every heart to prepare him room. We prepare our home for a lot of things during the Christmas season, but the most important thing is to prepare our heart and our lives that there's room in our lives for Jesus this Christmas. And if you have not made room in your heart, if you've not received him as your Lord and Savior or acknowledged his work of salvation, not only in the Christmas cradle, but also on the cross of Calvary, then let me encourage you as we sing this song to talk with God, speak with him, confess your sin, acknowledge your need for him, and ask him to wash and cleanse that sin away. We're so grateful, Lord, that in the town of Bethlehem, we see Jesus becoming God with us. And at Calvary, we see Jesus becoming God for us. And at Pentecost, we see Jesus becoming God in us. You have done all the work, and may we receive that and walk in those truths and promises through what you have given us by faith in Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.